0: Hello, everyone. It's your host again, Melina Sadler, with another solo episode of the Healing Pact podcast. And this week episode, I wanted to focus on just the last year as COVID has officially been around for a year. Um, You know, this time last year was around the time that things kind of went into lockdown and we went into the whole essential versus non-essential worker crisis. And I just want to talk a little bit about what that means for everyone as far as their mental health, just kind of what we saw happen over the last year, and just a little bit about my journey as well to healing during this past year. So without further ado, let's get into it. You are listening to the Healing Pact podcast, a place where women of color come to share their stories and their revelations. I'm talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Here, we highlight resilience, as well as validate and normalize real emotions and experiences. We push each other to be our best selves, a beacon of hope and an advocate for change. I am your host, Melina Sadler, licensed clinician, mom of one, and a survivor of childhood sexual assault. It is my mission to get women comfortable talking about their trauma, as I believe sharing our stories can encourage others to speak up and be real about our mental health. As women of color, we need to recognize how our identity plays a role in our past suffering. However, it also equips us with everything that we need to push through the hard stuff. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe to keep up with all the new releases of new episodes. Thank you so much for listening. Be well and be encouraged. It's Monday, March 16th, 2020. I went through my usual day to day routine. I am thirty eight weeks pregnant at this time, just two days shy of my thirty ninth week, and I have all the emotions in the world as I know that today is the last day that I'll be at work before starting my maternity leave. I had every plan in the world. I wanted to go all the way until Friday the 20th, but I knew that I just wasn't going to make it there. I was taking on a bunch of emotions. I had a ton of anxiety. And the Friday before on the 13th, I actually ended up in the hospital for fetal monitoring. So I knew that the 16th, if I had a chance to go home without delivering, that I had to make this my last day for my mental health and to give myself the time I needed to rest. But I can remember really struggling because not only did I have anxiety, but everyone around me did as well. Even before knowing much about COVID, at the time, it was kind of just this thing in the news. We knew that people were getting very ill I believe it was the 14th where we had our first COVID death here in New York City. And nobody really knew what was going on. And it was a crazy time for my job because we had literally just came out of this whole issue with the union where we thought maybe we wouldn't have a job or maybe we would be going through this big transition. But just being a woman who's pregnant, worried about whether or not I was going to have insurance, whether or not I was going to get a full maternity leave because who was going to pay me my benefits? It was just so much going on. And, you know, at this time, my colleague, who was another supervisor, she actually just resigned a couple weeks prior. And I felt like I was abandoning my team. And that was hard for me because I truly love my team. I love my job. And I love the people that I work with. And I felt like My timing of my pregnancy was letting other people down. And I don't even know why I took on that burden, to be honest. It makes absolutely no sense when I look back at it a year later. But that's the type of person that I've always been. I've always been selfless. I've always been a bit of a people pleaser. And I've always put other people's emotions and concerns above my own. And one thing that I can say that I struggled with the most during my pregnancy, was learning to prioritize myself. I'm still learning now as a mother who's about to have a one-year-old, still learning to prioritize myself, still learning to make space for me day to day. And that's not something that I've done in such a long time. And I can honestly say it feels good to be prioritizing myself again. But I definitely had to spend this last year of life focusing on Why I started doing those things in the first place and being a trauma survivor and just recognizing how many of the things that I do on a day-to-day basis are a result of trauma is just mind-blowing, simply mind-blowing, you know, and and I really can't say it any other way because that's literally what it is, is mind-blowing just how much... I'm responding to trauma every single day of my life. And parenthood is not something that you can truly plan for. You know, we, we see parents on television. We have our parents. We have friends and colleagues that may be parents. And we see how they operate, how they interact with their children. And We start to fantasize and think about what am I going to be like as a parent? I'm going to be this type of parent and we make decisions and we think in our mind that we are going to do things a certain way, we're going to be a certain way and our child is going to have the best possible life and we're not going to repeat these mistakes and then you just kind of become a parent and you're basically expected to just dive right in. It doesn't matter what class you took, what advice you got during this time. You literally have to learn as you go. Every single day is basically a toss-up. And as someone who plans so much, I had a really hard time with that. I had a really hard time with that. I struggled with some periods of resentment because I love structure, right? And... It took me a while to notice that the reason I love structure is because I needed to be in control of something. I wanted to be in control of my life. Having adverse issues and trauma in my childhood, I didn't have the ability to do the things that I wanted to do for myself. I was always operating solely out of the expectations of other people. I could never combat my parents on what they thought was best for me. I had to do everything through their lens and through their perspective. I had no ability to think for myself. And when I did, I started to be labeled as rude, disrespectful. And those things, you know, I eventually ended up internalizing because I did not know how to make sense of it. I thought, you know, coming of age really meant that I would learn to make my own decisions, that I would be capable of making my own decisions and doing what I felt was best for my life. But culturally, it's very hard, it seems, for parents to view their children who are now adults as adults, who have the ability to make their own decisions I, you know, I see jokes online a lot, you know, in conversations, we joke about it, but realistically, it's not funny. It's not funny at all that we can be 20s, 30s, 40s, and we're still kind of seen as a child, you know, especially if you still live with your parents. It's kind of like, you're still my child. You have, you know, no say-so in, in anything, you know, and Sometimes you are only an adult when it's convenient for them, like when it comes to paying bills or contributing uh, to the household in, in some way, shape or form. But now as a parent myself and just trying really, really hard to break down these generational patterns and curses, it's a large burden to carry. But recognizing that I don't want my son Zachary to have some of the same feelings and experiences that I have. And I'm not by any means saying that my parents were terrible. Of course they weren't, but definitely there were some things about my childhood that were not ideal. And going through this thought process of what am I going to be like in this season of parenthood during a time when the world is locked down was very challenging, very challenging. And I think to be here a year later and to still be dealing with it to some degree to be learning what we consider now to be the new normal or to try to return to some level of normalcy is still a struggle because there's so many unknowns looming over us. We have lost so much over this last year. We've lost so much. And I'm not just talking about losing people. I'm talking about losing opportunities, losing employment, losing relationships, essentially losing a whole future that we may have worked for and just learning how to adjust and shift. Essentially, the whole world is going through an adjustment disorder because we're having difficulty coping. And it's hard to cope when you don't see an end in sight. We're just all going through this together and we all have more in common than we can sit down and realize And sometimes when things like this happen, people tend to fight each other, you know, crime rates and stuff like that tend to go up because people don't have a way to release their anger and their frustration and emotions are running high. And, you know, we're trying to balance and manage the best way we know how. And, you know, my heart definitely goes out to those that are essential workers, because regardless of what's going on in the world, their job never stopped, They just had to keep going as if nothing changed, you know. So thinking of those in the welfare systems, those in the medical field, those in the schools, they just had to keep on trucking along. And I know there are definitely other essential workers out there, those in HR as well, that had to deal with things like layoffs and furloughs and unemployment claims. Like, it's so crazy to see how the world had to just kind of stop and pivot and then just kind of run with it. just had to run with it. There was no time to process or debrief what's going on. Anytime you turned on the television, all you saw was coronavirus updates. Coronavirus updates. Then you have social media where people make jokes about stuff, uh, a lot of misinformation going out a lot of constant changes. And I've been telling this story for a couple of days now. When I went into the hospital in Connecticut to give birth, the updates were so rampant that just in the course of maybe even two hours, seeing the medical team shift based on what they thought was true versus what they thought was not true. And this was at a time where people had just kind of started wearing masks. They just started putting restrictions on hospitals. Um, I was definitely anxious because I was recently told that like my doula couldn't be there. Um, I wasn't sure if my mother was going to be able to be there with me. I thought that I was going to be alone. And for those of you that know my story, my son's father is not around. And I was extremely terrified at the idea of giving birth alone. I didn't want to do that. And as a woman of color, knowing the mortality rates, it's terrifying. And quite frankly, it's disgusting to know that I could have potentially have been a statistic. It's really painful to think about, but I remember how terrified I was feeling like I would have to give birth Alone, that there would be no one present to advocate for me because the world is in a pandemic to now being here a year later and watching some of my favorite shows and seeing these scenarios play out over and over. It really paints a picture for those that didn't experience it to know what it's like to give birth during COVID. And I can honestly say I'm blessed to have done it at the very beginning. I couldn't imagine the women that have had to give birth alone with FaceTime and all these technological devices in the heart of COVID when nobody could be there. One thing that I remember specifically was being alone in the postpartum room, door locked, You had no interactions with anyone unless someone was coming to draw your blood or to check your cervix or to take your baby to the nursery. Not getting to go to the nursery was something that bothered me because I remember planning for my son's birth and planning my experience and wanting to go to the nursery and see him, you know, get his first tests done and... I just remember having that taken away from me. I wasn't one of the moms that got to walk up and down the hospital, you know, just rocking my baby or soothing him to go to sleep. Like, it was a really hard transition, and I remember being so anxious during this process because I had to come home. And and prepare. And, you know, as a first-time parent, that's already scary within itself. But to come home and not know what my life and my child's life is going to look like moving forward because of COVID was very hurtful. It was very hurtful because I I watch him grow and... I see his development and I'm so proud of of how well he's growing and how quickly he adapts. But I get sad when it comes to things like people being around and he's terrified. He's terrified of people. He doesn't like masks. I worry about, you know, his social skills. I worry if he's ever going to have the opportunity to go to school one day and have a normal childhood. I worry about whether or not he's going to get to play in the park or go to an amusement park or go to an aquarium or, you know, get to ever go to like Disney World and and not have to worry about things like sanitation or how close he's standing to other people. I just want him to be a normal child and he's going to be one in nine days and i'm just thinking about the loss you know just the things that he's lost and i don't like to be emotional about it but but i think it's important that we acknowledge the loss just on so many different so many different levels And like I said, it's not just the people that passed away, but definitely rest in peace to them, to those that have lost loved ones because of COVID, you know, to those who have struggled with COVID as well and and, and were terrified for their lives, thinking that they weren't going to make it. We have to acknowledge the loss and we have to have time to process and grieve that loss. And recognize that the loss continues. Unfortunately, it continues. Yes, we may be able to travel. We may be able to work remotely. But the loss continues. Because there's still so much that we don't know. And all of these outlets that people had to work on things like depression and anxiety. They're not here anymore. They're not here anymore. You know, stores have closed down. Businesses have shut down permanently because of these things. And I feel like it sucks when you're someone who's worked so hard to work on your self-care and implement things into your life that give you balance, work-life balance. And those things are now taken away from you and you're left to just sit with your own thoughts. And granted, we should be able to sit with our own thoughts. We should be able to process how we're feeling on a regular basis because I definitely promote emotional intelligence. I promote being vocal, but it's hard sometimes, especially when you're someone who's a little bit of an introvert and you like to do things on your own and you like to travel alone or go to the bookstore or go out to eat on your own and to know that those things are now regulated or restricted and you have to go about it a certain way and it's not easy to go about it. But to know that if you take the risk of going about it, it could potentially cost you your life that hurts. That hurts. And yes, there are people out there that are living life as normal. And I think that that's hard sometimes for, for people to see because we all want to be out there living normally, but the risks are just so great that it's scary. It's scary. And for me specifically, I'm still learning how to navigate life with COVID. I have never been stuck in my house this much ever in my life. And it makes me feel sometimes like I'm a child. It makes me feel like a sheltered child that has nowhere to go and nothing to do. And I'm fine with being alone with my own thoughts. But I struggle. I really struggle with not having outlets. And it's, it's bad enough that... Sometimes because of parenting, I feel like I can't go out and do what I need to do because I have a child to take care of. But I also get worried about going out and potentially contracting something and bringing that into my home and basically impacting my child in a negative way because his health is not where it's supposed to be, you know, just because he's a young child and his immune system is still learning and and building itself. But it's hard. It's really hard. And I think it's really important for us to acknowledge that. So when you come into contact with people, definitely just be graceful. You don't know what people are dealing with. We all have things that we're dealing with. We all deal with it in different ways. But I encourage anyone out there that's struggling to please get professional help. Please see a therapist. I'm a therapist and I see a therapist. For majority of 2020, I saw a therapist twice a week. And it's done wonders for me. For me to even be able to be this vocal and transparent on a podcast for those that know me and for those that don't know me to hear is a big deal. But it's just a testament to how much I've grown within myself and how much I'm working on everything I need to do to be able to provide a better life for myself and my son. And I'm not allowing negativity or fear to creep into my life anymore. I'm going to live my life the best way I know how. And I encourage you all to do the same. And I want to remind you all that healing is a, a lifelong. It's a lifelong journey. And you just have to keep pushing. Just keep pushing. Do what you do best. Get your support system in check. Get your circle in check. If there's anything in your circle that needs to be removed, do not be afraid to remove it. Remove it immediately. I don't care who it is or what it is, remove it immediately. If it's not benefiting you in any way, shape, or form, you need to remove it. I don't care if it's a person, a job, the house you're living in, the apartment you're living in, get your plan going and do what you have to do to get where you need to be in life and do not be afraid to do that. Do not let anybody come in and diminish anything that you have going and anything you believe in yourself. You have to keep pushing and you have to keep going. Get your circle together. Only spend time with people who are filling your cup on a regular basis and you do what you have to do. The life that we live is the life that you create. The world is not going to stop turning. For any of us. So we have to make do with the time that we have. And we have to make the best of it. And with that, that being said. That's the end of this episode. If you have any questions or want to reach out to me. You can reach me at info at thehealingpackedpodcast.com. And you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Cultivated Truth. You can find my website at cultivatedtruth.com. And I will be in touch with you all. We have more amazing interviews coming your way. Remember that episodes release every Wednesday at 9 a.m. And I will see you all soon. Have a great rest of your week and a great weekend when it comes. Bye.